When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jay of Stratford Paddock, this is the Paddock Podcast. Joining me are two of my faves. I've got Mr. Joe Smith. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing really well, thank you. Good. Looking smart there. Thanks, who are well, you? I'll tell you what, who's looking even smarter? Uh, Abdullah. Thank looking you. Absolutely. Bang on, brother. Well, I'm at, I went Milan in Milan Fashion Week, so I had yeah. to... Uh, you got to raise the, raise raise I went the standards. And I was looking around, I was thinking, shit. Well, you've done a very good job. Yeah, uh, we're going to be <laughs> we're going to be talking about Abdullah's fashion a little bit later on. But first of all, we're going to be talking about the international break and how Manchester United's players have been absolutely mm. smashing it, no doubt because of Eric Ten Hag. But before we get all into that, and make sure you do get involved in the chat and the comments, here's a message from our sponsors. Raid Shadow Legends has taken over and gaming will never be the same again. The Doom Tower is an amazing addition to the game. This introduced a whole new world of terrifying bosses to slay. Sprawling over 120 levels, the Doom Tower brought exciting new challenges for seasoned players, bosses and heroes. As a high level collection RPG, Raid started with hundreds of unique characters and bosses. The game designers must have had an absolute field day creating these characters. Look at the sketches. And this month, Raid released a giant new feature, Awakening, and a brutal new dungeon, the Iron Twins Fortress. And if you're good enough to take down the Iron Twins, you will get a massive payoff being able to awaken your champions. Awakening your champions lets you choose a powerful blessing that can transform how they perform in battle. Raid has just released a super-powered legendary version of everyone's favorite champion, Death Knight. He's powerful, he's fantastic. Everyone can get him for free. All you have to do is log in and play Raid for seven days between now and October the 27th. You can also use the DK Riders promo code for a bunch of free items to instantly level your new strongest champion all the way to level 50, five-star ascension. And if you haven't started playing Raid yet, click the link in our description or scan the QR code on screen now and you'll get unique bonuses worth $30. A free champion, 200k silver, an energy refill, an XP boost, one ancient shard, so you can summon awesome champions as soon as you get in the game. All of this treasure will be waiting for you to check out Raid Shadow Legends. So the international break is here. We don't really like international breaks, usually do we? No. We're like, oh, international break, oh, boring, yeah, whatever. Just get back to the proper football. Yeah. But it is good to see how well Manchester United's players have been doing. Because if you look at 
people have been not just doing well, but they've been excelling. Yeah. I'll start with one of the ones who's probably having the best international break he's ever had. Diogo Dolo, mm -hmm. who he hadn't scored for Portugal before this international break. And he got two, count him, two goals in one game mm -hmm. against Czech Republic, was it? Yeah. Left footed as well. Left footed. Oh, you mentioned that. Yes. Left footed. Left footed. Joe. How impressed are you with not just what Delo's been doing for United, but the fact that he's taking that form to his international team as well, his national team, I should say. It's great, isn't it? And yeah. I love that Man United have been basically the team of the tournament so far for the um, the uh, the Nations League. I love just that. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. We have been the team of the tournament. United All of our players have been the tournament. sensational. Um, Dallow, that, that game, and I don't know, obviously... Maybe it was just an illustration of how of how much he's improved. Yeah. But you know, like players sometimes have a game where you go, that was the moment where they went to another level. When they went from being like, oh yeah, he's looking like he's in decent form. And then all of a sudden, when it starts to click across multiple sort of platforms where it's like, not just for United now, he's doing it. He's doing it internationally. He's getting assists. He's getting multiple goals. Obviously, he's not going to score every week for Portugal and he wouldn't be expected to. No. But like, there's a difference where someone like Anthony Martial where... I always felt his international form, what is it, like two goals in 30 appearances or something? For Anthony Martial. For Martial. Yeah, yeah. Um, something of that uh, nature anyway. Um, always meant that he, he wasn't sort of flying on all f in all formats. Right. And there was always something sort of that was holding him back a little bit for United. I, I feel like Dallow now, he's, he's hitting a point where we might look back at uh, on this in six months or a year's time and say that was the moment he went from being you know, coming into the team, looking good under Ten Hag to, Jesus Christ, we've got a real player on our hands here. Because we, you look at uh, Tyrone Molassia, who we all consider the sort of raw talent who could well improve. You know, he's got a lot to, he's, he's got the natural abilities, he's got the energy, he's got the work rate, but he needs to improve his technical side, but he's got time to do that. And whereas Dallow's been in the team for so long, you almost think of him as this sort of, not elder statesman, but like mid-20s, kind of that. They're the same age. Yeah. Molassia and... and Diogo Dillo are the same age. That's that. When you told me that earlier, yeah. I was flabbergasted. They're both 23. Yeah. So if you think that Malassia's still got a lot of years left in him, a lot of time to prove himself, Diogo Dillo's got exactly the same thing. And obviously, in, in the past, I've criticised him for his performances and what he has done, which I think is, is fair enough. If someone's not been great, you're allowed to say they've not been great. But he's turning into a player where you think... Not just going forward, is, is the output really upped since any previous season for United, but defensively it looks so much better as well. I'm so excited for Diogo Dello, and now the, the sort of the, the view seems to have shifted on him where, like I said, he's gone from this like, surely he's like 25, 26 because he's been around for so long. Well, actually, he's a young player that is massively improving and will continue to improve. And I think if he can have this thing where it's like, for United, he's brilliant, for, for Portugal, he's brilliant, then all of a sudden that confidence ceiling rises where you can sort of enter a new mode as a player. And I'd absolutely love to see that. There was an element of that, though, wasn't there? And I'll get to you in one sec, Abdullah. Um, of that in the Euros, where he came in as a last-minute replacement, was it Cancelo who was injured, or was it he came in for someone didn't yeah. he, in the Euros? Yeah, he did. Because yeah. he wasn't originally in the squad, and he played a couple of games and he did okay. Mm. But I think there was glimpses there when you go, "There's a player there," you know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's did, someone there, really and it well seems to help him. The, um, the Euros, the under twenty Euros. I yeah. think there was a tournament that was played before that, and then he got called from that tournament into the Euros yeah. team, and he played really well in that tournament, and I think. Um, with Diogo Delo, I just feel like he always lacked a run of games. And I think when you talk to people in around him and, and the frustration that comes from him is the fact that it's actually the fact that when he looks at his minutes, he's gone, 
I've had 30 minutes there against Brighton in the League Cup. I had 90 minutes. The only 90 minutes I've had all that season is 90 minutes against Tramia Rovers, which I scored in. A great mm. finish, of course, it was Tramia Rovers, so no one's going to care about that. scored a belter in that but game as well, didn't he? Yeah, he's got an absolute banger, so no one's going to care about that game. Yeah. But again, there wasn't enough time to for him to prove a point. Now, I'm not saying if he would have had a run of games at that stage that Delow would have been in this form, but then those are key years of development. And I actually think it shows his mentality that the fact that a lot of players, when they're not getting the minutes at that age, they really get lost. And I feel like, mm. because those years of 21, 22, going into 23 are key for your proper development to enter then your prime years. And I feel like with Delow, the only time I see him really have a run of games over the last few years since he joined Man United was at AC Milan. And even then, I think, because they have uh, Calabria at right back for AC Milan, who who now actually looks poor. And that's why a team like AC Milan wanted to go back in for him. And obviously he wants to stay at United now. Uh, they went and signed Dest. But it shows for me that in that period, I was seeing little bits, you know, whether it was that left back, that connection with Liao that he had at AC Milan, scored a goal or two there. He did pretty, he did pretty well for them. But... Whenever he had had a few games, I could start seeing, understand the game a bit more because you need to come up against proper opponents. It's not just about, in training, it's different, isn't it? Like, training is such a different situation because in training, it's more, you're playing against the same teammates, you're not in the ground, the atmosphere is not the same, the pressure is not the same. And I feel like you need to be in, in game situations. And um, there are little games last season where you start seeing things like the Arsenal away game, I think. In my opinion, if we had signed a right back in Jan and he had some of the the games that Delow had under Ralph, I think people would be like, "Yeah, this is a good right back." But I think because people in their mind they would like, "Oh, it's it's Delow. Like he's he's pretty basic. He's not got much to his game. He's not this or that." But when I look at that Arsenal game, he went through on goal on a couple of occasions, threatened, and I and I said this. I think we did like um, the Ten Hag tactical thing. I think as Ten Hag was joining a few months ago, and I said that one of the players that I'm actually looking at who could sort of do what Matsurawi did for Ajax, start entering the area, start becoming a goal threat, um, you know, coming on the inside of the pitch and being part of the midfield, being able to stretch wide as well. I think someone like that was Diogo Delo for me. So, yeah, in my opinion, I think Man United um, and Ten Hag have done a great job with him so far this season. I think Diogo Delo is still going to make mistakes. He's still going to continue to learn. Mm. But... You know, from the outside looking in and from when you speak to people around him and the, the, you feel like everyone's pushing him around him, he himself really wants to be a Manchester United legend. He wants to prove himself here. And I think that mentality in our back four right now, actually, when you look at mm. Terrell Malassia, which we'll speak about, and, and of course, like the likes of Varane and Martinez, you really feel that them wanting to win and want, and I think you really you could tell that in their body language in that Leicester game obviously you want to do the chest bump and, and the high five in each other after challenges and I think you want to see that on the pitch mm. um, and yeah I think I can expect Delow to start becoming a bit more of a goal threat slowly because I think that's what happened with Matsurawi at Ajax his most productive season was the last season before he moved to Bayern and before Ten Hag left Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The thing as well uh, uh, with him is 
I'll I'll admit I'm surprised by this. I didn't I wasn't sure that he was like capable of improving this much and, and putting this run of form together of the last sort of four games or five or six games that he's played in. I didn't I wasn't sure he'd ever be this player. And obviously five games isn't enough. Um, but if you can continue this form over the next few months, then you can start to look at someone that's a, you know a genuinely very good right back, which I, I wasn't sure he ever would be. Do, are you surprised by it, Jay? Um, but the thing with with Delo is there's a lot to like about him. We all like him. You know, you can't question his attitude and you know the sort of the effort that he puts in. It was just is the quality there? Mm. Is is the sort of tactical awareness there or whatever? And the, I think there was a relic. There's a, a, a you know, there's a reason there was a question there. It wasn't unfair to question that because some of the performances, yeah, were all right. They were good. Yeah, Others course. weren't good enough. No. And I think you look at the first two games of the season, I know everyone, there's a lot of players that struggled, but the Brighton game, I don't think he did very well. Mm -hmm. And the, the Brentford game, again, you know, wasn't a good performance across the board, but you're looking at him going, you know, has he got what we need? But you can see he's been listening to his manager. He's been working on his game. And, the, you know, I said it, I tweeted it, I think, three games after that, was it the Leicester game? And I said, Diogo Delo's best three United games have been his last three games. Mm. I think, was it, sorry, was it, yeah, Leicester, because it was um, the Liverpool game, the Southampton game, the Leicester game. I thought he was fantastic in those three games. I did, I thought he didn't put, barely put a foot wrong. And I think that you can see there's a player that is willing to improve, that wants to improve, that has all the attributes personality-wise and attitude-wise you can want. The question is, has he got the, the talent and I think he's, he's sort of answering those questions. The jury's still out. Listen, we're what? You know, yeah. we're six games, Premier League games in and a couple of year old. So I'm not going to say that's it now. We've definitely got, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, six games in Aaron Wan-Bissaka's time at United, I thought he was the answer. Me too. But I think the difference is with So Delo I don't want to get too carried away just yet. He's, he's not just throwing himself. He's not just throwing his body at challenges and, and like making great tackles or whatever. That is great. But I feel like, I mentioned this point last season about him and I think a lot of the time I got rinsed for it in the comments, which was why Diogo Delo is a better defensive player tactically. I know people are going to go mad at me now saying this, mm. than Mwamba Saka. Diogo Delo takes up higher positions, which are a lot more aggressive, which allows Man United to turn the ball over. That's why Ralph, not a lot of players did well, but for patches Delo did well and Fred was our best player in that period, in my opinion, under Ralph, because his system was ba was based on that aggressive high press turning the ball over. And I felt a lot of the time you'd see, I think there was a couple, there was a game at like Brighton at Old Trafford, the Arsenal game where the opposition player would receive it. Then you just see the low come instantly and nick it mm. off him without having to really make a slide and challenge or anything like that or a tackle. And he would be higher up the pitch, which then puts you in a better defensive and better offensive um, advantage. Mm. It puts you in an advantage ahead of the team in that sense. You're not allowing the team to come all the way down your flank and constantly make sliding channels and constantly be in a 1v1 situation. Now, there are parts of his game that I feel like some fans did overlook, but I do agree with Jay. There is clear improvements where <clears throat> there's bits that I've not seen. Like his 1v1 defending has definitely improved. Like I watched the game the other night. I think the only thing I missed was I nipped out and I'd come back and I'd missed that, that banger they had from outside the box. But from what I'd seen in that game, was whenever there was a 1v1 situation, he'd time it very well. He'd go he'd go down into the challenge. He'd, he'd make the smart move. And I think he's starting to put his body across a bit more aggressively. And and I think it's not just about that physical and technical aspect with Delo. I think it's that one willingness and wanting to, to win that challenge and win that ball. And uh, I think what he's doing <coughs> on the ball very well this season 
which I feel like he's always had when you watch a lot of his clips from when he was younger or when you watch what he did at Milan. But I feel like this is where it comes down to like your mentality and having the right coach is that inside field play where he gets the ball, comes into the middle. There was, um, before his first goal for Portugal, you'll actually see him pick up the ball, win it in his own half, play a ball into the centre, receive it back, then drive through the middle, then end up in the area. And then he makes a, a slight move, which allows Leao to pull the ball back to him. And now things like that, it's just like you look at him and that's what a modern fullback is now. You look mm. at Cancelo and I tweeted as a joke. I'm not, I'm not obviously comparing them at that level, but I do see a lot of what I watched from Cancelo at Inter Milan, Juventus and Valencia, where he started getting it together at 24, 25. He wasn't really a known player like that, by the way. No. You've got to remember Cancelo was getting loaned out. I think it was between Benfica, Valencia, Inter Milan. He wasn't really that guy. Then he had that season was at Juventus. He 27 when he joined City. Yeah, I think he was 26, 27, yeah. around, around that age. So I think he's 28 now. So he's joined a couple of seasons back. And I feel like the use of the left foot coming into the center of the pitch, that modernization of a fullback, I think like Diogo Dolo has got that. And I've seen a bit of that as well with Terrell Melasio, which is interesting to me that at Feyenoord, he was doing a lot more of that. Whereas at United, actually, we're not seeing a lot of that. So I think it's actually more of a tactical thing. But as Manchester United hopefully reach the level where Ten Hag wants us to be as a team on the ball, we might actually see some of that from Malasia because I did see more of that inside in the midfield, combining with the midfield players, uh, being a bit more creative from Malasia at Feyenoord, whereas so far at Man United, mm. it's been a bit more like tucking in, being part of the defence, allowing Delow to be that player. Um, so that might be something that we might see Malasia do as well. And that's where coaching comes into it. I mean, we can't ignore what... Ten Hag has done with a couple of these players. Like we're going to get onto Ericsson and I'll leave that to, to when we get onto him. But there is differences in Ericsson's game as well. Did you see that um, Van Gaal said to Malassia that he should be trying to like learn how to play as a centre back? He played him, didn't he? he? Came on for Nathan Aki, I think, last night against Belgium on the left hand side of the back three. Um, I think Van Gaal said that he wanted to see. He thought he'd be better equipped to deal with De Bruyne. Was, was it um, because of, he's quicker, obviously, than the Daily Blind? Mm. Um, so I think Blin, did Blin go out to yeah, uh, I didn't watch left, the game, but left, when left I wing back, line. I think. Um, but it's, I think Malassi said he did well defensively, but they had a bit of a row on the touchline because I think he was criticising him when Malassi he was going for yeah, when he was going for nothing major. It's not like they've fallen out, but like a bit of an argument. And I think Malassi sort of held his hands up and said, you know, he, you know, going forward, he has to sort of learn. If he's at centre back, it's different than if you're at full back or wing back when you're bombing forward because obviously, you know, it's just a different situation. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. But Van Gaal was quite, he was all typical Louis Van Gaal, complimentary on one point, mm. but almost critical on the other, just saying he needs to be a bit more constructive, I think he said when he was going forward. So, yeah, I mean, listen, that's great. Great to see him, you know, playing a different position. Although I doubt, I'd be very surprised, I said this in the news this morning, if we saw him playing there for United, but you never know, I mean, it is, it's an option. I just feel that all this points towards the fact that this is a kid who's having a great spell. 
Malassia. Yeah. Playing for his country, playing well for his, his his club, coming in ahead of a player like Luke Shaw, who, you know, despite his faults, was one of the most spoken about left backs on the planet not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And now Malassia's coming for an absolute snip at 40 million euros got into the team, kept his place in the team, and he's now doing bits for his country as well. Um, I'm just going to get into some of the comments because we've had quite a few people commenting as well. I think Andy Tate's in the comment. Big shout out to Andy Tate. Um, Abinav Verma made a good point here, if I can find it. He said that, um, don't forget, I think he said that um, the low's only 115 goals behind Ronaldo. Not bad. It's worth <clears> mentioning <throat> that, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? For Portugal, keep, yeah, yeah. Keep that, keep your eye on that. Mm. Um, John John Olsen says, um, John Olsen doesn't say anything. He's welcome to the first team. Thanks for joining. Uh, Michael Dyson, who's been a member of the academy for eight months, says, where did Joe get his jacket from? Very hip, happening, and or stylish. Uh, Uniqlo. All right, very nice. Good stuff. Check it out. Um, oh, John Hemingway, just so you don't feel out, <laughs> um, says, Abdul looking flash today. Thank you, man. With um, your flash watch and everything. Yeah. What's that? Little timepiece and that. That's nothing, nothing much. Nothing much? How many, th- how many thousands of pounds right. was it? You should be ashamed of yourself. Keep, keep um, that uh, to myself. Yeah. Um, just a free... 3.5k watch. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Hey, you love people on Google. That was, a couple, hundred, that was a couple hundred quid hey, from Cheshire Oaks. I've not got that kind of money. I'm not Jay Marty. Come on. Jay, I've got a seconder in. I mean, this got me for Christmas. It was on sale. Um, right. He um, still likes it, by the way. That's yeah. What I know, but you know, it's not. It's very thoughtful. It's what I wanted. You should have spent more on it to me. You what? You said she should No, I get angry more. when my missus spends more money at Christmas. Not, not less. Oh, Do right. you know what I mean? It's the other way around. Um, ask Ace. NOG123 says Cancelo joined City in 2019 when he was 25. Yeah. And what's he done since he's been there? Nothing. Won nothing, done nothing. Rubbish. Mm-hmm. Eh? The low all day long. Um, <laughs> United Spotlight says AWB isn't a good defender. He's a good tackler. There's a massive difference. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Santa Notch says you should have been given a Fellaini watch. Yes. Great shout. Uh, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button as well. I've put um, a link in the chat for both likes and some, well, not a link for likes, but a link for subscribe and just hit the like button. Um, let's get to 500 likes by the end of the video or just as quickly as possible, actually. Never mind. By the end of the video. Um, also, while we're on the subject of Portugal, Bruno Fernandes, he got on the score sheet as well, didn't he, the other night. He's another one who... Seems to be enjoying himself again. We saw that great interview he gave with Adam Crafton at The Athletic. If you've not checked that out, go and see it. Very honest, very open, as you'd expect from Bruno. And there was times last season where he looked like he was really feeling everything. Feeling the fact that Oli got sacked. Remember the game against Watford where the crowd were booing the players and he went over to them and said, pointed at himself. They're having a go at Oli and said, listen, it's us. You know, blame the players, not the manager. Towards the end of the season, we saw him just trying just silly things. And, I, you know, I don't mean to be harsh, but shooting from 50 yards out and trying 100 yard passes because he was just uber frustrated with what was going on. He missed a couple of penalties as well. Yeah, which you is know. Like unlike him. Yeah, it? missed the penalty at Arsenal, of course, which is the one that sort of sticks in the memory. Um, seems to be enjoying himself, settled into the role as, as captain as well. Hasn't lost the plot, which I feared he might do if he got the armband in terms of arguing with the referee and stuff. He still does that, but in a bit more of a controlled way. And yeah, just, he's just playing well. He's just playing well for his country and playing well for his club as well. I think he's really good. I think he's a really good player. Mm, and, and last year, like he had a shit year or whatever. But like, look at other players in our team's bad year. Like yeah. Rashford got was that four goals. Yeah, Martial got two goals, then got sent on loan. Got another two. Got like he got like no goals all season basically. Um, Bruno Fernandes still got I think fourteen assists last season. 
in all competitions. Like for most midfielders in the world, that's their best ever season. Half of them come in like the Champions League as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got six or seven. Remember that game? Was it the second half against? Who was Atlanta. it? Yeah, we, he oh, got like Trafford, yeah. yeah, loads of, like created more chances than anyone's done all season yeah. in the Champions and League. It's, it's like in br- one even, game. Even him on a, on his worst year since moving back from Italy, uh, he's literally putting up numbers that most midfielders would be like yeah. career numbers, like eight goals, 14 assists is brilliant. Um, but then this season, I think like, again, he's never going to hit 28 goals, 17 assists or whatever it was the year before last. Cause that's just, I think the thing is with Bruno, but he's is, so much better again. I, yeah, I do I criticize Bruno a bit because I actually, I really like Bruno and I really like having that type of player in the team that again, it's about that mentality as well. Mm. And sometimes, yeah, when he's on the floor or like he has a moan and stuff that, that side of it does annoy me. But for the majority of the time, you feel like he is a winner. He wants to win and he wants to be part of a winning team. But I think with Bruno is when there's chaos and when there's instability as a side tactically and then the environment's all over the place, you start seeing it in his football. You start seeing those more of those high risk passes, mm. more of those just wanting to, to make a difference. But that comes from a good place where he's trying to make a difference. He's trying to lead the team. I feel like slowly and I don't want to get pulled into it because I've seen it with Bruno where you see a few games and you're like, oh, he's actually toned it down a bit and he starts making the better decisions and he starts understanding his role more. But when I look at the Leicester game and I look at the Arsenal game, I really enjoyed those performances in the sense that I think now he knows that Ericsson is the guy that's going to transition that first phase ball like into him. And then he's like that final touch player, which mm. I always say Bruno is the one that you want in almost those Muller areas, not, not completely like Thomas Muller areas all the time where you're in the box, but just being part of that final touch or if you look at his goal for Portugal as well, just enters the area, the goal for Southampton for us, very similar goals where he's looking at the cross from the fullback, then hits the space, hits the back of the net with one touch. Um, Did he get the assist for Marcus as well? Again, the ball gets played from midfield, progressed from Ericsson and Armidfield into him. And you feel like that last little bit of play. And I think I remember, um, Atletico, was it Atletico Madrid away? Did he assist the line yeah, as did. well? And he so was having a bit of a stinky then, but he's exactly. still like you were saying there, Joe, mm. the thing with Bruno is, even when he was having a bad season or a bad game, he still got that in him exactly. where he can produce yeah. something. I think, I think as well, it like being further up, knowing that Ericsson is the one behind him, which, you know, who can play that pass into him. I would say, obviously, w- with Ronaldo not starting the big games at the moment, with a front four or front five of you know, Rashford, Sancho, Anthony and Bruno. Mm. I think Bruno is the best finisher in the team. Yeah. He's the only one that's ever hit 28 goals in a season. I don't know if Sancho did it at Dortmund, but I don't think he ever hit those sorts of numbers in terms of goals. That finish that you're talking about, um, it was against Southampton. Yeah, that was, was brilliant. a phenomenal and, and finish the on the volley. Portugal, like in the middle of the week, like you yeah. just look and it's so controlled. Yeah, like, it's it, coming again. It's a similar way to Southampton where it's, it's coming and he actually controls the shot yeah. so well. He's a very good finisher. No, no, and, no and I think he is. Get, I keeping him that. in those areas between, you know, between sort of halfway between the halfway line um, and the 18 yard box, four with that final third. Mm-hmm. It's crucial. That's where he does his best work. And yes, he can play 40, 50 yard passes in behind. He can do that at times. But there are very few people in football who can score and assist at the rate he can. Um, 
so put him in those areas where he can score an assist and he, he'll do that. And I think we are seeing more of that. Like I said, slowly, I still not, it's I'm about not fully convinced. Whether, it's not even about him. It's about whether us as a side can maintain that for him. Yeah. Now, like It's the same thing with Delo, same thing with a lot of players in this team now that we see a good run of form from Marcus Rashford. It's about, are we going to recreate those situations? Are we building a consistent consistent patterns of play to accommodate what these guys do so well? And I feel like what I want to see now is hopefully Ericsson become more controlling. And we'll talk about that his performance against Denmark, like where you start seeing him almost pause scores. Just stop Bruno, though, before we yeah. get on to Ericsson. I love Christian Ericsson. I, I do. love him. I Absolutely love him. He's been so phenomenal. Good. But He's just before we get on to so before good. he starts telling us about Denmark in the 80s. Um, <laughs> I just the Lazarus Brothers. <laughs> yeah, the Lazarus Brothers. Um, That's all I've got. Schmeichel. With Bruno, though, one thing you notice, those games, you know, the Arsenal game, the Liverpool game, mm. we're up against it for the last 10 minutes in those games. And he was... Everywhere, I love that. Everywhere, and he was making important interceptions, important mm. tackles at a time in the game where, especially against the Scousers, last five minutes, you know they get a goal, they could even win that game yeah. because everyone's like, oh, you know what I mean? A late equaliser, still enough time. He was charging down shots, he was doing all sorts, and at times when you've seen him doing that stuff, he's been too crazy almost. He's been, you know what I mean? He needs to rein it in, but his engine and the way he was sort of just kept going and getting the crowd going as well yeah. was fantastic. Yeah. And that almost went on the radar. You could see because, you know, the way that Eric Sanhar's got these players playing, he's obviously quite physically draining. We've seen Marcus getting cramped a couple of mm -hmm. times, players having to go off. Jaden Sancho looks like he's been running to the ground after an hour. Yet Bruno, 93rd minute, and he's running around like it's the first minute. And it's, you yeah. know, that's, that's almost a part of his game that goes unnoticed. And it's very, very important to the Manchester United's wins because I feel like if you don't have that from him in those games, you're not picking up six points from the Scousers mm. and Arsenal. Not a chance. I think when he, I agree. when he came in, when he first came into the team, that is in my lifetime or since I was watching football consciously, like I caught a few games in the, in the 90s, but I was four or five years old, don't really remember. The single biggest jump in quality that a, that a single player has brought to Man United. Like obviously Van Persie came in and won us the league, which is more you know more than Bruno did. But we were already the second or first best team in the league, and he cemented it. Bruno Fernandez took us from performing and, and, and earning points like the the sixth best team in the league to the second best team in the league. And I've not seen anyone else make make that jump for United. So we are, and and a lot of how he did that is obviously his quality, but his effort. Mm. And we had a team again three or four years ago that that was full of that sort of, you know, what's the word? Disillusioned former Jose players, mm -hmm. where you're in this high pressure, high intensity environment that Jose builds and constructs, and then it falls apart. Turns out no one was trained and no one's running. You're not matching oppositions for for work rate. Do you remember that when Ollie came in and was like, no one's trying, no one's running, and then you get Bruno Fernandez come in, change everything, and then you almost forget because we're used to him that. And, and also because Malassi has come in and done a similar thing compared to Luke Shaw, you've seen Martinez do a similar thing, you've seen Eriksen do a similar thing. But Bruno Fernandes is more than capable of keeping up with those players in terms of intensity and work rate. And I think mm -hmm. having those players dotted around the team, they all they they bring up the, the level of players around them just in terms of working hard, how hard they work. And I think he's a, a phenomenal player. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
Um, talking of Bruno Fernandes, you've got a lovely Bruno Fernandes cut there. You can see there. You can see that on the... Uh, cut to the other camera. Come on. Hello. He's doing it for there you. We there we go. go. Yeah, we've got a Bruno Fernandes. We've got Lissandro Martinez. We've got another Bruno Fernandes cup there. We've got loads of merch. If you go and click on the link in the description, um, you get 20% off our Paddock merch. If you buy two items or more uh, using the code Paddock20, we've got, uh, we've got a Christian Eriksen top coming up soon, haven't yeah, we? It's not there yet. It will be up before the derby as well. We've got Lissandro Martinez, Marcus Rashford, of course. Um, Ten Hag. Ten Hag. We've got the Stretford Paddock Collection. Stretford well. Paddock Collection, yeah. I know yeah. that's a, a popular one as well. So make sure you go and visit paddockmerch.com using the code paddock20. Um, there's a link in the description. If you buy two or more items, you get 20% off. Yes. Um, yeah, and we appreciate all the support we get as well for the channel. You know, since we took over the channel a couple of years ago, the support has been phenomenal and we appreciate it all. Uh, Jenny Simon says, where did Abdullah buy his jacket? That's not part of Paddock merch, but we'll answer it. Um, River Island. Yeah. You know what's mad? What? I bought this at a separate time from River Island. Yeah. This and the cargo pants. The River oh. Island sponsor me. I ain't brought anything, bought anything from River Island in ages, you know. It's nice. River Island's all right, isn't it? Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I Big slide time. River Island. And if you are watching anyone from River Island, we are available for sponsorship. Um, River Island. River Island. <laughs> Sounds like a salad dressing. Yes. Um... Shall we talk about? I can see you two can't barely keep yourself, control yourselves. You want to talk about Christian Eriksen? Yes. Because he's apparently he's a pretty good footballer, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, he's, he's all right. It's just nice, isn't it? It's nice. It's just one of the nice stories of football where I don't, I'm not even going to mention it, but we all know what happened. But then put that to one side. Well, you can mention it though. Because no, but everyone, everyone's mentioned it enough. He done? died in that. Yeah, well, he and died he came in that. back. <laughs> But it does add to From it. the dead. It does add to it because yeah. it's one of the reasons we got him. Because yeah, like, if that had not happened, he's not going to go from Inter to Brentford. No, no disrespect to him, but he isn't. And it's yeah. like, you're looking at a player where a lot of people thought he isn't going to be able to play again. Then it's he's not going to be able to reach anywhere near the levels he did. Then it's mm. he goes to Brentford and absolutely shines. And then you think he comes to United and then the question is, is he going to play much for United? Is he just a backup to Bruno? Is he someone you're going to bring in for the Europa League games? And I'm guilty of asking that question myself. And not only does he start every game, mm. he's our most important player. Yeah. He's fantastic and he's like, absolutely running the show. Do you know like some people have like a, a near-death experience and they'd start like, you know, running marathons or like they change their job or they leave their wife or whatever. I'm so <laughs> glad that like Bruno Fernandes has had a near-death experience and decided to become world-class again. <laughs> Like, that's what he's done. He's not bought a Ferrari or started doing, like, bungee jumps yeah. or, like, raising money or something. He's just one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. It must, be, it must, be, it must be nice to be able to choose to do that, isn't it? You know what I mean? Say what I'm going to do, as a, you know, because I've just you know, I've so got to live life to the fullest. So the best way to live yeah. it to the fullest is just to be the best player in yeah. the world. Whereas if I, if I had an Edith experience, I'd probably just buy a loom and start making rugs in get, my own shed. I, I might get a tattoo. Yeah, you'd get a tattoo. And he's just gone... <laughs> I'm going to be one of the best players in, in the Premier League. And it, and it's so good that, like, especially after last season when there were so so many players in the team that by the end of the, of the year, they just felt really, not unlikable, but hard to like. Yeah. And it was full of players. Go, oh, not him again. Oh, God, he's not trying again. Mm. Oh, oh, another shot from 30 yards again. Like, whereas he's just such a likable bloke after everything he's been through. The fact we got him on a free, so you, no one can ever say, you spent how much on him? Put fuck all on him. Do you know like the, every the, single the, piece of this story? The, the weird thing is, is just beautiful as well. When we were linked with him, you wanted him. I think everyone wanted him. 
Had we not got him, I don't think anyone would have lost their mind about it. No. Yeah. I don't think they'd have been like, I can't believe we didn't get Ericsson. And now you think, I can't believe we've got him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I can't believe we got this player on a free as well, which is just unlike United because we usually spend, you know, tens of millions on players that aren't even good enough. Yeah, we've got this player on a free who's got, you know, likable personality, puts a shift. I feel in, like he feels absolutely different class on the ball. He feels a void as well that was missing in this team because I think. Someone made this point, I think I'd go into um, Joe and Adam when I think they were on the overlap and someone, whether it was you or Carl, one of the United fans on there made a point about how no, was he going to be, is he like sort of playing the role that Frankie would have played? Mm. And I sort of, when I think about it, I think, yeah, because when you look at that Ajax team that Frankie was in, he almost played that role. Uh, because, you know, McTominay, I think whoever usually would partner Frankie there would be playing the McTominay role where you're bullying the, the midfield, trying to regain possession. Then sort of Frankie would progress you and get you into the final third. What we're seeing from Ericsson is, I feel like we've not had that type of footballer and it's such a rare type of footballer from mm. this version of Ericsson. I'm not talking about what we've seen a lot of in the past of that Paul Scholes-esque where you drop into certain pockets and you find that ball out wide. And we've seen a lot of that in that... I missed that Denmark game, but then some, I seen someone post like some some of his clips against France, and some of the switches of play were just absolutely incredible. He created eight chances against France. He's just like clipping the balls over the top for people to just be like through on goal, and and it's the like, right way to pass. Oh, you're running behind. Let me just pop it onto you, and you can just have a shot one on one with the goalkeeper. It's unbelievable, and, yeah. and it's it's not like Ericsson's just hitting the space or like just you know get onto that ball. He's he's putting the ball on a plate or he's putting the ball right to the player's feet and I think as a team he's, ma he's making such a huge difference I think even his energy is so underrated I think the way he gets around on the pitch we watched that Arsenal game and even when he lost the ball you almost had to foul him for that goal that Arsenal fans seem to think that should have stood in that game I feel like that's where you're on about they've never mentioned it yeah, they've, they've, they've not been mentioning it like no. pretty much every day since the Absolutely. game but they clearly Jesus. don't care about that game and, and they've forgotten about it haven't they but when you look at Ericsson, I feel like he's someone that, again, you, you mentioned the point where there's a couple of these players in the team where they bring up the levels in terms of their intensity and stuff. And I feel like I really, really underrated his intensity as a player because I thought he could play deep. I've seen mm. bits of that at Inter and bits of that at Brentford, especially when he come and played against us at Old Trafford. He was very good when you look at the switches of play, even those quick short dribbles and then finding that threaded ball. I feel like he always makes the right decision, but also so intense with his play. Like really, there's a bit of physicality to him that surprised me. Mm. Um, and I feel you want that mentality and the technical ability to come together. And a couple of players so far that have joined us have done that, but the most that stood out for us, no doubt, is Ericsson. And he's been one of the best players in Europe this season, one of the best midfielders, at least, in Europe mm. this season. We, we talk about physicality as well. It's not just about like frame size, is it? Like, is anyone seen that picture of Busquets from the from the game the other day yeah. after the game? Yeah. Where honestly, I don't even know. It looks like I'm not. Well, he looks malnourished. Right. This man is so skinny. Yeah, yeah. and yet he's <laughs> one of the best defensive midfielders or deep line midfielders in history. Yeah, and obviously he's playing in a league where it's not quite as slam and and go as the Premier League is. But I think he'd have done all right in the Premier League over the last yeah, ten years. Safe to say, no but like. Physicality and size aren't necessarily the same thing. 
Yeah. And I agree with you, like, Christian Eriksen is someone that, even though he's not that big, he's not someone that gets bullied off the ball particularly because, generally, he just passes it before he gets tackled. It's quite simple when you do it. Like, you don't have to knock someone out of the way and then pass it like Scott McTominay likes to do. Or Pogba was the... Was the basically because that's who he's replacing, isn't it? Pogba did that too much, whereas Eriksen just passed it before they get to him. How much do you feel he's benefited? How much do you feel that Eriksen Aga has, has sort of learned to use him in a better way throughout the season? Because the first couple of games, it was a bit weird, wasn't it? It was like, mm. it was a false nine against Brighton, and then, yeah, and then a DM against Brentford, and we were all going, what's he doing with Christian Eriksen here? I remember me and you were on the Brentford watch along. I remember being at a game for the Brighton one saying, Really? And it looked like almost Eric Tanag was finding his feet a little bit of how can I get the best out of him. And then from Liverpool onwards, maybe it's not a coincidence, I know there's other things that have gone on as well, but from Liverpool onwards, you've seen Ericsson being used in, you know, his ideal role and the team shining as well. Mm. And it just felt like maybe, I don't know, maybe Eric Tanag had to sort of work out how can I get the most out of this guy or how can I use him in the best way because... We were scratching our heads a little bit, weren't yeah. we, after the Brentford game? I think it, it was also not just... Because it's not it's not just Ericsson's midfield, is it? And I think you look at how many games Fred's played over the last two, three seasons. It felt like Ten Hag was trying to fit Fred in as well, those first couple of games. Yeah. And then, you know, if you, if you asked, I would say, pretty much any United fan, at the start of this season, if one of Fred or McTominay has to be dropped from United's midfield, who would it be? Almost everyone would have said McTominay. 100%. Fred was comfortably the better player last season. Like you said, maybe the best player under Rangnick, which isn't the greatest accolade of all time, yeah. but it's certainly, you know, in comparison to other players. And yet, it felt, well, and yet, and now, you know, Scott McTominay seems undroppable for United. Yeah. And I think at the very start of the season with those heavy defeats, Rangnick was trying, uh, Rangnick, sorry, um, Ten Hag was trying to fit in Fred and McTominay and Ericsson and Bruno and not quite sure how they yeah. would all work together. Whereas now, a couple of quick defeats, get Fred out of the team, actually this is much more balanced immediately and it's that's why it's clicked so quickly because I think, not that that's Fred's fault necessarily, but we've just found a system that, that seems to work. So I think he was trying to, you know, sort of find his, his feet and, and see where Ericsson really fit I think one in. of the games where you mentioned the Brentford game and you saw of that and the Brighton game was complete different opposite areas of the pitch where yeah. he's playing because I think when going into that game and there was talk of him being a, being a false nine I thought it would be more like Bruno and him playing deeper it just didn't make sense and, and I think I really noticed it in the first half because in the second half he actually drops deep if you remember and he's probably our best player in the pitch against Brian in the second no, half no he was yeah he, he did he, he was I agree he was I thought he was our man but of the it's match the whole thing Brian. of starting him there in it and then yeah. you think the Brentford game then okay you've seen him do well deep in that Brighton game but then Brighton is sitting so deep that you're going to have that complete control mm. Brentford game Brentford is pressing us high up they know De Gea can't really play out the back but where he's receiving the ball off the centre half is such a different situation then I think you slowly start seeing and this is where Eric Ten Hag I think you've got to give him that credit for the quick adjustment of style like where obviously bring Varane and Martinez in and then he start using Martinez a bit more in terms of that progression rather than having McTominay or Ericsson come deep in certain areas. You start using the low Varane, Martinez, Malassia at times, but mainly the other three for those progressive passes into the centre. And he's leaving Ericsson in certain areas where he's a lot more effective because once he receives that in that in that sort of area where he finds Bruno quickly or makes that quick transition play, makes the right pass and makes the right decision. He's sort of leaving him in that zone. But when he has to come deep and find a switch of play or mm. anything, he can do that as well. And that's credit to Eric Ten Hag and also credit to Ericsson from the fact that he can just adjust as a player. And 
And honestly, I, I love so far what, what he's done at Man United. And, and I think United could be in big trouble, hopefully not, if he gets picks up any injuries throughout the season. Mm. Because I think, again, you mentioned we mentioned the point about his physicality and intensity that's been underrated from myself that I didn't expect. I think you're having an all-round midfielder in this team uh, that you don't want to lose. So I'm impressed with uh, with Ericsson so far. You mentioned there earlier about the fact that Scott McTominay has come in into this midfield and has now, and I, I keep saying it, and I'm going to keep saying it because, to be honest with you, part of me enjoys saying it. And he's now keeping Casemiro out of the team. And, and right, yeah, right on merit. Yeah. Not, you know, obviously, you know, obviously reputation, it'd be Casemiro straight in there, especially when you look at what he's won. But Scott McTominay, who... I agree with you. I, don't, I always am at pains to say we don't speak for any other fans, but we interact with fans, and it is blindingly obvious that the vast majority of United fans rated Fred over McTominay and, and wanted to see him start um, based on you know pre-season and last season also as well. Fred and Casemiro is a yeah. sort of known quantity yeah, from, the from, from the national team. However, Scott McTominay has forced the issue and made himself so far pretty much undroppable. And you go back to the Arsenal game where the team's announced... McTominay's in, no Casemiro, and people going, oh, I thought this would have been the game where Casemiro comes in. And again, McTominay is fantastic, and mm. he's just having a, a really good season, and it's it's the form that, going back to the point about international matches, we've seen him taking that into his Scottish form as well. Yeah, it looks brilliant. Um, and I don't know what, whether it's just confidence or it's he's playing less of these balls. So he, he, basically... I don't know why all of a sudden Scott McTominay can pass the ball forward because it didn't <laughs> seem like he could do that. He's 25 years old and he's just learned to pass the ball forward. Like, look at the look at the highlights of him for the last two national matches. Look at the highlights of him or the four games or whatever from the last four or five Man United matches. He can pass the ball forward now, like consistently. And whether that's because he's he's got some confidence, which it must be partly because... You know, I've seen players at five aside who have a better pass success rate than Freddie McTominay did last season, um, and they can't. Be, you know, they can't be that bad at that. Maybe it was just a confidence thing, or maybe now he's got Ericsson next to him. He knows that if it's too tricky, he doesn't have to go for it. He can lay it off and he can give it to Ericsson because before he was passing it to Fred, and obviously that doesn't fill you with much confidence either. But he looks a completely different player. He's getting rid of the ball quicker. He don't. You know, we were joking last season that every second touch was a tackle. Like he controlled the ball and it spilled away from him, and now he has to lunge in and fly through. Somewhere. Everything's a 50 50. Yeah, I everything's a 50 50. Like yeah, we were, we, we were saying that on the watch songs, weren't we? Like, everything's a 50 50 with McTominay. And yet now it seems like Look, he's getting the ball out of his feet quicker. He's passing the ball quicker. Like, go back to the Brighton amazing. game, though. It was a meme. Yeah, oh, that he was Brighton a meme. Game's the worst oh, because he, there was, was a bit where he ran forward with the ball and he ends up getting booked. Yeah. He ends up losing possession. Flying into a tackle because he's lost. He looks he's, so he's amateur. Such, he looks so he's he's heavy. And then even, I think the Brentford game, he came on at half time. Again, someone's clipped him up. And you can clip up anyone. You can clip up Lionel Messi and make him look bad. So it doesn't tell you a full story. But my point is, people after those two games are still going, why is McTominay still part of this Manchester United team? I and then that, that, Liverpool, that, Liverpool, that Liverpool game, he was great. And if you're going to play great against anyone, it'd be mm -hmm. you know, the scouts at Old Trafford, you're going to get the crowd on side. And he's unlike in the past where we've seen him do this before. He had a great game against Leeds and then he was shocking the next game. Yep. And like, God's sake. Or great game against Burnley, I think, at Old Trafford. He was ridiculously good. And then again, you know, the, the next game is awful. But for the last four Premier League games, he's kept up that consistency. I think he's it's kept the fact up that doing what we want him to do. It's in, that's the, the last point you make, you make about what we want him to do. And we want him to be able to play 
in those deeper positions because it's all good if you can have them Leeds games where you burst forward and score a goal or the Wolves and Burnley games where you scored a goal because those are very situational that suit you for that game. So it doesn't show you a lot as a team, but it's the same with McTominay. Now, I'm not with the low McTominay. I think Ericsson's a bit different and a couple of the other players that we've spoken about with a lot of enthusiasm and, and we really rate what they've done so far this season. I'm st I've still got my reservations yeah, about of course. Them. But when you look at what Ten Hag has done with understanding how to use the best, how to get the best out of these players on the pitch and which areas they pick up the ball, which areas would they be better to face a certain position where you think, okay, you can't really make that diagonal or the pass over the top or whatever, Scott McTominay, but I could really use you with picking up the ball in this area. Maybe this will be easier for you to break the lines a bit better. And that Arsenal games, we actually see mm. in the Arsenal game, especially we see a couple of times where he bullies the opposition, the Arsenal players, and does the Scott McTominay things, which I always like about him. But then the other part of him, which I think I've never really seen of him, which he starts actually playing balls between the lines. And I've always said with McTominay, McTominay is the... Honestly, McTominay is the one player, I think, in my life watching Man United where there's so there's, there's many occasions where I go, I really, really like this kid. And there's so many occasions where I'm like, I'm done with this guy. Well, even more, even more me. so than like Nanny. Nah, Nanny. <laughs> you know what? One player, yeah. I was such a Nanny. Come on. Like, Nanny's highlight reel nanny. looks like he's the greatest player that's ever played football. Yeah. But there were so many times with Nanny, and I love yeah, Nanny, yeah. where <laughs> I wanted to kill him. Yeah. I was like, I, I was what such are a nanny you fan doing? Boy. I was yeah. such a Nanny fanboy that I used to argue all the time. I bet there's a lot of arguments as well. Because he could be literally the best player in the world. I hate anyone who's player on the pitch. Like it was, I've never seen he a player favorite, uh, either in the spectrum. Uh, we are gonna have to move on. Uh, before yeah. we wrap up, give us your Wally of the Week. <sighs> I mean, what's going on in Italy is pretty mad, isn't it? What, the, the fascists? The, the yeah, fascists, yeah. let's give fascism another go. I think, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I mean, it works in, out so well for us last time. Voting in someone who's absolutely, definitely far right yeah. is mad yeah. in 2022. Like. There's no. no really. There's not really many ways. Have they to actually paint voted that. them in, or is it like? Yeah, I think she's like, she's in. Yeah, as of as of okay. this morning. Um, so. Like, I can't really defend or say. Well, I don't. I'm that glad is, to hear that. That is just. <laughs> I won't mad. ask you to. Absolutely mad. It Practice. is. It is. Like, it's, just. It feels like at, Wally doesn't do it. No. The justice it like, deserves. Doesn't right, do it. The gravitas. Right, no, you're right though. I'm not. I'm not having a thing. Danger to civilization of the week. Wally of the week. The people voting for fascists. Go on. Um, trying to think. You know what it is? Usually it'd be one of them lot that go on like talk sport or whatever, like no. Gabby Agblanlaha. But the fact is they're getting away with it because it's bloody international week, isn't it? So mm -hmm. I'm not seeing anything. I can't think of anyone. I think, I think I've not spent enough time on socials this week. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> the pound. Actually, weaker than the pound. I, I would like to go with. <laughs> yeah. You're going with the pound for Wally of the Week. Pound is yes. Wally of the Week. I don't think we've ever had than uh, the dollar. money. Uh, money. Uh, yes. You know, a currency. A currency, a currency is Wally of the Week. That is one wow. of the, the most... Um, we're, the, we're officially original. done as a country. So <laughs> Abdullah's having a go at the pound. Not the, I don't have not, not the people responsible for it falling. The actual pound itself. It needs to work harder. Yeah, yeah. especially, yeah. especially so, with what's gone on in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. This country needs people we can look up yeah, to. Yeah, so we and need the pound. The pound is not pulling pounds. his weight. Is, oh, come on. So a bit of resolution. Uh, for God's sake. I'm going to go with Mark Lawrenson. Oh, you didn't for being oh, yes. Oh, for saying I was thinking right. I've yeah, seen something. You didn't lose your job what did he say? No. because he's 65 years old and yes. white. 
You lost your job because you shit at it. It's that fucking simple. And the fact right? he was asking for mad money, yeah. apparently. So spare me this. I'm the victim of racism. Garbage that these old white people see, keep saying. Like, oh, it's wokeism now. Probably, mm. be, probably be replaced with someone who's, you know, from an ethnic background. Well, maybe he will be. But that's not their fault. That's because he's not good enough at his job. Mm. This is a guy that picked Liverpool not to lose a game for 159 times when he was doing the predictions. For five years, he thought they weren't going to lose. He's not a good pundit. It's that simple. It's, it's, someone made a point, I think, um, Tigo, Filthy Fellas, he, he quote tweeted it. And that's, if I'd remembered that, that's literally the one I would have used for earlier of the week. But he said that, like how, you know, you've got younger people who are bringing in like an analytical point of view, bringing in research into the studios. Like we see it like, come on, like even at Paddock, the amount of times mm. we come here and everyone here has got their notes or got their thing that they, they've watched some Fucking clips. What do you mean even at Paddock? Even um, at Paddock. Even at <laughs> such a... a it's just so, a, even uh, such a, shed a ram horribly run effort YouTube channel, channel like this. We've done our <laughs> basic <laughs> research. <laughs> just, wow. Yeah, you, hey, you come in round here. And Make we, sure you <laughs> sign up to Abdullah's channel because you won't be seeing him here again. No. <laughs> you come down even here at Paddock. just four of us shirtless huddled <laughs> around right. a burning Paddock. bin most even, of the time. Even on this channel, oh, we knew how it worked. The thing with him is as well is like, obviously the comments are mad. But like, he's one of the few pundits that you listen and, and I think in the past, he was much more in line with the times and was a successful, good pundit, you know, in comparison to what was out there. But you listen to him now in some games, like it sounds like he wants to go home. Like <laughs> yeah, he genuinely sounds yeah, yeah. bored as fuck. And, and he doesn't really that, give you anything. No, as, as a like, fan watching, oh, it, you, know, doesn't, you don't really gain that. anything. And, and just you, sometimes you think like, I, oh, I feel like with a pundit, you have to be like either you know, have that knowledge, that experience that you can tap into. He's obviously won a lot and he's been around a lot. I know not recently, he's not playing the Premier League or anything, but mm. this is a man who was very successful in terms of, you know, what he won and the amount of games he played. So you tap into that, your experience, you talk about that and, you know, make it relevant. You're opinionated, you're massively mm. opinionated. Like soonest. Yeah, like Simon Jordan's never played yeah. football, but he's opinionated and yeah. I can't stand the guy, but he'll get, he'll generate a discussion or he'll, you know what I mean? He'll, there's he a reason he's something. on there. He offers some there and you go, okay, I can understand why he's being employed. Mm. But if you're like, you've just got apathy, you're not really tapping into any experience and you're not really saying anything where you go, oh, that's great insight, that. Mm. Or, oh, I can't believe he said that. Or, you know, generating a discussion. You just sort of almost, you know, like you're waiting for a bus, you're just waiting to go home, like you say. Mm. Then, no. You've got to understand it. Fan, you want to gain and, you know, And also, watching. if the guy was like 42 or whatever, you could go, well, maybe that, but he's 65. And it's like, okay, they might be looking at younger people, younger ex-players yeah. or whatever, or pundits who it. are more relevant. That's, yeah. you know, that's you not a, like a, you know, a bad thing on him. Look at, he, he was around the same time as Alan Anderson. Alan Anderson retired about 15 years ago. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Off his own back. Just invest in some like crypto and just put your legs up, mate, and watch telly. Like you're 65 with a lot of money probably. So mm. yeah, yeah, that's my advice to you, Lawrence. Put all that money into crypto. What you want to do is, over the last 45 years <laughs> Just don't put of being yeah. one of the best centre-backs ever, or certainly, you know, up there, yeah. uh, and, and then all the money made through BBC, don't invest that. Put Buy the Fernandez out. NFT. Do you, know what, do you know what? He won't have you doing it. Risk it all. He won't have Betty you put, on zero. He won't have you putting it into the pound because apparently the pound isn't performing highly enough. That's why it's his Wally of the Week. Anyway, shocking week. enough of this absolute, you know, financial advice for the, the insane. Um, week, where yeah. can people find you? Just, just fucking throwing my pounds in the bin, mate. Just setting them on fire and trying to remould them. As I'll tell you what my mate said when, like, the Queen died. He went, "You know what you want to do? Don't get cancelled." You know, he went, "You want to keep all your coins with her, right on it? Yeah, that'll be worth something." 
Oh, yeah, because famously, there's hardly any of them, is there? She was only the monarch for about 70-odd years. So there's hardly any coins with her head on yeah, no, other than about you the can sell that million in yeah. circulation. You can sell that on eBay that. in 20 yeah. years, mate. All right, on. whatever, the billions of yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Hold on to that coin. How long for? 100 million years <laughs> when it's a fucking artifact. <laughs> if someone, someone could dig that up in yeah. literally 10 million mind. years. I held, I held on to my pound, and two weeks later, it's worth half of what it was. Yeah, exactly. I was chatting shit. Um, where can people find you? You little punk. Uh, Abdul GH underscore on Twitter. I don't appreciate calling me. <laughs> I'm, I'm still smarting for the fact you I went understand. even on panic with you. Well, well, listen, we're only on the come up. This is this is still the come up. That's what that's yeah, it's, it's yeah, a bit yeah, of a thing, right. isn't it? Like right, whatever, this is right. this is not the levels Paddock is gonna be. That's that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. We're gonna be on TV, we're gonna be everywhere. Nice to Is there, there <laughs> coins with the king's head on yet? Have they started being there was, there was a committed? coin they brought out a little while ago for him, but it's not like an official thing, like a whatever. Like a two pound sort of type coin that you can buy on the. But the, the official mintage of a uh, king. So Charles they've hasn't stopped. Yet. Like that's it. Normal queen. Well, yeah, but yeah, they're not gonna. Uh, on the dot, like as soon as like the news come out, they're like, yo, every, like the guys. Someone press the emergency stop button. I don't think so. I mean, I think they have sort of times when they do it anyway. So I'm not sure. Listen, we don't know, do we? If you want to get that advice, don't get it from us because we obviously haven't got a clue. Um, but if you do want minting.com. Yes. Um, somewhere, there we go. The producer's telling me I've heard it can take years to sort. So there you go. There's a bit of an update on that. Make sure you are checking out Paddock Merch, paddockmerch.com. Big thanks to our sponsors as well. Don't forget to go and check them out. There's a link in the description. You know where to find him, Sloppy Joe's. You know where to find him as well. So make sure you're checking out those guys. I've been Jay. This has been the Paddock Podcast. Thanks for watching. Sports Social Podcast Network.